You are now listening to What the Hell, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I'm joined by Dr. Jono Taves. Jono first fostered a love for health and wellness as a collegiate soccer player and an exercise science major at Northwestern College. It was then a move to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota where he received his doctorate of physical therapy and developed a passion for helping people find the source of their aches and pains, allowing a more natural healing process. Within the first few years of his career, he noticed gaps in the healthcare system and started to see potential in an overlooked treatment approach for headaches and migraines. Since then, Dr. Taves has dedicated his career to the mission of educating and empowering people with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything they do. This mission stems from years of seeing chronic headache and migraine sufferers find life-changing relief from this debilitating problem by providing a simple approach to an overlooked and misunderstood problem. He is now the owner of Novera Headache Center, one of the country's only specialty physical therapy centers devoted to helping headache and migraine patients and the host of the Headache Doctor podcast. I am beyond thrilled to have him as a guest on the show today, as he is a person that has helped me in my own journey suffering with chronic headaches and migraines. I know that you're going to get so much out of this episode, especially for those of you listening that too struggle with headaches and migraines. So with all that being said, let's get on to today's episode. Welcome to the show, Jono. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on the show. I would love for you to start everything off by sharing a little bit about your background and how you got into this field of work. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a physical therapist. I um so I started my journey as an exercise science major at this little school in Iowa called Northwestern college. And I was a soccer player. I just got excited about health and, and, uh, uh, whether that's physical health and that sort of rolled into other things, but as an exercise science major, I, I realized that you don't really get, um, it didn't translate as well into a profession to, you know, exercise scientifically. And so I went on to, think about grad school programs. And so, uh, that naturally led to physical therapy. And so I got excited about physical therapy. It seemed like physical therapists like what they, what they did. They, they enjoyed the profession, um, ended up going to the Mayo clinic. So I spent three years there, got my doctorate in physical therapy and, uh, and from there. So actually the, the, the curriculum at the Mayo clinic didn't necessarily set me up for, going down this avenue or this, this sort of rabbit trail of treating patients with headaches and migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, now it, le- it laid the foundation of understanding biomechanics and how we move and, and, and the anatomy and the neuroanatomy. Um, but it, it was actually a, uh, physical therapist that was a private practice owner in Minnesota that taught a kind of a weekend course at, uh, at my school. And he went through the biomechanics of the upper part of the neck and how that relates to jaw pain and, and, uh, headaches. And, uh, so I, I got excited about that and went and shadowed him and, um, and actually it got me so excited about, uh, this potential for treating headaches and migraines because physical therapists don't necessarily do this type of thing. He was seeing patients from kind of all over Minnesota come to see him, uh, and he was getting really good results. Um, and so I, I, from there, I, I just kind of went down this, this, um, like I said, a rabbit trail of trying to, to fill this gap within the market of, of patients that have headaches and migraines that are just kind of given medication, uh, never actually provided with a solution and seeing that I could, I could intervene in a way that was, that was more meaningful than anything they had seen before was 
impactful enough on me that I um, decided to just, yeah, continue down this road. Okay. So let's talk about migraines specifically because migraines are so prevalent. It's kind of this, I'm going to call it a throwaway diagnosis (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, it's just kind of like giving out like candy, isn't it? How are migraines classified and how are they normally treated um, conventionally? Yeah. So there's uh, two types of headaches that um, are two two primary uh, or, or classifications of headaches. There's primary and secondary. So when you look at how our Western uh, model uh, will take someone that has any head or facial pain, um, they will diagnose those based off of symptoms. Mm-hmm. So the majority of, of any sort of head or facial pain, so any headache, any type of migraine is based, uh, the diagnosis is based off of symptoms. So the uh, international classification of headache uh, disorders will, I mean, I think there's like hundreds of different classifications of headaches and migraines. And what that's saying is that in, in that model, since we're intervening through pharmaceuticals, which uh, anyone with migraines has experienced this, that that's, that's the primary intervention. They, they actually, the, the way the diagnosis works is if you have sort of a one-sided throbbing, uh, debilitating pain that's maybe accompanied by an aura, which could be like a visual disturbance. Uh, that's, that's the most common type of aura. Um, if you have, let's say three uh, accompanied with that is like light sensitivity or sound sensitivity. So if you have three or more of those symptoms, then you're going to be classified with a migraine. Mm. Okay. So it's important for people with migraines to understand that there's nothing objective that puts them in that classification of migraine. Now, when I say objective, I mean, the x-ray, the MRI, the CT scan, these things that our Western medicine model uses to find something objective is not there with the patient with migraines. And that's, that's one of the reasons why it's so very frustrating for patients with this debilitating pain, because they don't really have an answer. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes they'll go through this process of getting these screens done and uh, MRI or CT scan or x-ray. And what's, what's sort of meant to be understood is that these forms of imaging are sort of like the gold standard. So gold standard for diagnosing. And if they, if they aren't able to diagnose it, then oftentimes that uh, medical provider is left feeling kind of uh, handcuffed or backed against the wall. They don't necessarily know how to explain it, uh, which then translate to the patient feeling like they're the problem. And sometimes the providers will actually tell them that, they're the problem. And, and, you know, sometimes I hear it's more of a direct, like, wow, like I would never say that to a patient. And sometimes it's just how the patient feels because of this process. Uh, so anyway, after that, the patient doesn't necessarily have the explanation of an underlying source of pain, but they are almost always prescribed some type of medication. Uh, So this could be a preventative or an abortive uh, medication. So there's these two classifications. So the preventative ones are taken daily. And one of the more common ones is like propanolol. So it's a blood pressure medication. And this is something that just, I won't go into all the different medications, but uh, this is just kind of how the system works. So propanolol is, is not intended to be a, a migraine medication, but what we found is that when prescribed, it can reduce the frequency or the intensity of a patient's migraine symptoms. And because of that, what we've done is looked at an explanation for migraines that involves the vascular system, so blood vessels in the head. Now, is that explaining where migraines are coming from? No. And even, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at Uh, the Mayo Clinic website or WebMD, they actually don't say that they know the underlying cause of headaches or migraines. And that's because of this sort of working backwards. They don't have confidence that they're finding the source, but they know that this pharmaceutical, this intervention at the chemical level helps to reduce the patient's uh, intensity or severity, frequency or intensity. And so that's all the patient is really promised in our, in this sort of model. So you start with the primary care doctor, you go to the neurologist 
And the promise is we will try all these medications. Hopefully one of them works. And if it works, it's going to reduce the frequency or, or the intensity of your pain. And so at the, at the Mayo Clinic, one of the head uh, neurologists a couple of years back came out and stated that migraines are a disease. And what, that, what I think she was saying was that migraines are something that you will live with that will always kind of plague your life, that you'll always um, have, but we just need to find a way to mitigate the sort of frequency and the intensity. So that's, that's kind of the current model and, and what that looks like for people. Yeah, it's... Um one that I've been through. <laughs> yeah. I've done the screening. It's seen multiple neurologists and it seems like the solution is always a kind of medication. Right. Right. And, and how did that make you I, feel? I mean, helpless, completely right. helpless. And, and I, you know, I'm a very sensitive person in every single respect. I don't, respond well to medication. I don't even respond well to painkillers. So it was always, um, a no for me. I, I didn't do any, I didn't take any of the medications and it was kind of like, well, make sure you sleep, make sure you do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, I do all those things, but it's not getting better. Yeah. And that, that actually, um, yeah, we can, we can talk a lot about triggers because that is something that our healthcare system currently does is we focus a lot on triggers and it's, it, it can be quite the barrier for me and what I'm trying to do because triggers oftentimes are confused as, as the source, right? So uh, a trigger can be anything from like fluctuating hormones to pressure changes to inflammatory foods, um, things like that. So your body is responding to something that uh, I use the analogy of like a threshold and then the level of tension or the actual source of pain in your neck, right? So we have these two lines and triggers are affecting, they're either affecting your body's threshold for what it can tolerate, which um, I'm, I'm not an expert in like functional medicine or diet, but I know you talked, uh, I've listened to several of your podcasts where you talk to these experts. Um, and I actually, I love that. I, 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 refer my patients to dietitians or functional medicine doctors, because that gut health is super important. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason that I can intervene and someone like that can intervene is because uh, I see it as they're, they're affecting the patient's ability to tolerate this pain. That's, that's actually stemming from the neck. Mm -hmm. um, and so these things can work together, but oftentimes these triggers, uh, are seen as, as the source, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I I've had patients that fly out to Johns Hopkins and, you know, they, they go over the country and these, these leading migraine specialists really just, um, lean into these migraine journals and avoid any, any trigger that you find, which it, again is kind of helpless or, or feels hopeless for the patient because, um, I mean, it, if you find it, then you just have to avoid that thing for the rest of your life. And sometimes yeah. it's like, you know, sunlight, like you, you can't just avoid being in the sun for the rest of your life, you know, stuff like that. Sitting, um, exercising, right? Like yeah. Yeah. Exercise is another big one for a lot of people, which, which then is sort of this snowball effect of your, your health just kind of deteriorates because you don't want to move. Um, and then other, other issues occur from that. So, um, yeah, it's, um, not to say avoiding triggers is bad because it, it is something that can be helpful. Um, but there, there's just something missing from this process. Right. And so that's what I, that's what I found. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that missing piece, which you are really passionate about, which I have definitely found is the source for me is the neck. Let's talk about the neck and how it influences headaches and migraines. Yeah. So what I've, I think what initially is confusing for people that have headaches or migraines, when we say that it's a neck problem, it, it's not necessarily intuitive for a lot of people. And it's not intuitive for the, the medical doctors that these patients are seeing. And the reason for that is because uh, we, we have referral patterns in our body. And so that means that there's a, there's a source of aggravated tissue, tissue that's not happy. It sends a pain signal and our brain is actually perceiving it as coming from somewhere else. Okay. Now, when it comes to the neck and I'll get into the specifics of what I mean by that, uh, the neck has a very specific referral pattern, but it, 
it has sort of this coming to, so the sensory nerves from the neck, specifically the upper part of the neck will travel through the brain stem and eventually find their way to the brain uh, where we, where we realize what's happening. Now, before it gets to the brain in the brain stem, it meets up uh, with one nerve in particular called the trigeminal nerve, which has three different branches uh, of sensory input from our face. And so it meets up in the brain stem which in this nucleus called the trigeminal cervical nucleus. And then it sends a common pathway. So a common nerve to the brain. And then we, when we realize what's happening, it oftentimes is confusing. That pain is coming from our head and our face. Okay. Now there's other, there's other sort of mechanisms that we can experience head or facial pain, but this is just kind of the primary example of why you can have like pain behind your eye, pain in your forehead, pain in your cheek, even jaw pain. And that can be like sharp stabbing pain, kind of like the, how they would describe the trigeminal neuralgia. Um, it can be a kind of a dull achy pain, like a tension type headache. Um, and then it can be a throbbing pulsing sensation, like a migraine. Mm. Now, when it comes to the neck, there is an overlooked injury. Now I call it an injury because it can be something that stems from, let's say a car accident that resulted in whiplash. It can be something that uh, resulted from years or I mean, even months of like poor posture sitting at a computer, which a lot of us find ourselves in, especially after COVID. And, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck at home. A lot of people are working virtually. We don't have the best like desk setups. Um, and then, so about half the people I see sort of have an explanation as to why their neck might hurt. And I think, Lena, you mentioned you had something like that in your past. Yeah, I went through a really traumatic uh, quadding accident when I was 13, where I clotheslined a barbed wire fence. So oh, I, wow. yeah, I was, uh, yeah, a dog ran in front of me and I swerved. I went down into a ditch. I grew up in small town Saskatchewan on an acreage okay. and went straight down into a ditch and through a barbed wire fence and close on myself. Oh, um, ouch. Yeah. So lucky to be alive. And then, uh, five years ago, I had a whiplash injury from a fairground ride. Okay. Wow. And that, yeah. That was kind of like, um, when the vertigo really started for me okay. and I didn't really know what was going on. It was about four weeks that I felt like I was walking on a on a waterbed before I finally went to my chiropractor and he's like, I think you have whiplash. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the initial injury with the, with the barbed wire, did you, um, have symptoms of like, did you have headaches or anything right after that? Or was it kind of delayed? Yeah, it was delayed, but I always remember, um, having headaches after, you know, from about the age of like 17, 18, I remember always like doing this, like yeah. holding, um, in between my eyebrows. I had always had jaw problems, like grinding my teeth. Uh, I, yeah, I, I always had headaches, but I never, I mean, back then I'm, I'm 32 years old. This happened 18 years ago. They didn't send you to a physio. They didn't do x-rays. They stitched you up and sent you on your way. Right. Right. Yeah. And they, they don't do that now. So nothing no. really has changed too much. Um, but I, yeah, so your story is actually very similar to a lot of patients we see now. Um, when you were younger, your, your parents and, uh, and you, I mean, having headaches, did, did you associate that with, with that injury or was it just like, Oh, I have headaches. This is common. A lot of people yeah. have headaches. Yeah. 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 So there, yeah, that's, that's one myth. So headaches are common, but they are a problem that needs to be treated. Okay. So just because you and your mom and then your neighbor all have headaches and it might be frequent, it means you all have likely a neck problem that needs to be treated. So, um, this misconception that headaches are just kind of a thing that people have, uh, we need to bust that myth because that's not a thing. It, it means that there's an issue that needs to be resolved. The other thing is when you have an initial injury, it's not necessarily the next day or even the next week or even the next couple of months that you, you'll feel those symptoms. You could actually be symptom free. So a lot of times patients will walk away from a, a whiplash injury um, or, or some type, type of head or neck trauma. And they won't that like their neck will be sore and then that'll resolve within a day or two, but the, their body will be able to cope 
with uh, the, the actual trauma to the neck, uh, the, the tension through that, those muscles are sort of the initial trauma to those tissues will resolve. But what happens is, and this is kind of everything I talk about comes back to movement. And so what happens is we lose mobility through the upper part of our neck. And so our body can, can compensate and it can deal with that for a long time. But what happens is, is tension kind of builds. And so you can have an initial injury and then years can go by. And then maybe you, you have like increased stress or you, you have uh, a desk job when you get out of college or you have something like that. And then you start getting more frequent headaches or maybe yeah. the pain gets more intense. And I think you had mentioned that as well, where you had a stressful event in your life mm -hmm. and it seemed to kind of trigger or make the symptoms worse. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. You know, like I, I started school full-time. My grandpa passed away who, I mean, I, my mom raised us as a single parent. Um, so he was like a dad to me. So it was a very hard loss. And then sitting in school when I had been a fitness instructor for like 10 years, to not instructing fitness and, you know, doing the bare minimum, the desk, the posture. And, you know, like when I, when I tracked everything back, you know, he died in November, those symptoms, they started in like September, October for me, which is when the fall semester started. And it, it seemed to just like it happened overnight. Like it, it honestly seemed like it happened overnight for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it came out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. patients don't necessarily connect the, the, maybe the trauma that they had, um, to whatever their symptoms are. So when, when I talk about loss of movement, it's important to understand because, uh, there's this overlooked problem and, and I'll kind of go into the reason it's overlooked, but so it, it can be trauma. It can be just prolonged poor posturing. Some people are more prone to this. And that's why I think there's sort of like my mom had this, my grandma had this, there's this sort of heretical, like this genetic component to it, or at least this believed genetic component. And there are some like, um, genetic markers that we see. Um, but, uh, for the most part, I think you're just inheriting your, your mom's anatomy or your dad's anatomy. Right. Well, I'm hypermobile as well. So that right. has right. not, has not been a benefit. Yeah. So, th so the most common scenario, uh, the most, yeah. So women are two to three times more likely to experience headaches or migraines. And often in my clinic, I see if I can catch them early enough, it's, it's these young females that are usually involved in like dance, gymnastics, maybe it's mm -hmm. like volleyball or soccer. And so women are going to typically be more mobile. All right. So we all have this, let's say 12 pound head as adults that uh, we have to stabilize. Our neck has to stabilize uh, throughout all of our activities in life. Okay. And so as, as young girls, um, they, you, they will have hypermobility, especially if they're like in dance and things like that. Now I have a uh, patient right now I'm seeing, she's eight years old and, and she came in after doing gymnastics and they were just tumbling or doing somersaults for the first practice. And I think she did like two or three sort of sessions of that. And then a couple of weeks later, she started to develop, uh, this, this headache. She was nauseous all the time. She couldn't go to school. Um, and I've seen that multiple times, many, many times. And, and that's either if I can, if I can get them at that young age where the headache starts, um, they're much more likely to respond, but oftentimes it's, it's people in their thirties, forties, fifties who have really been dealing with migraines for years and years. And so if we understand how joints work, because as a physical therapist, I, I'm trained in the musculoskeletal system and how things move and function, right? And so understanding how joints work, if a joint is less mobile, it's typically more stable, okay? And more mobile joints are typically less stable. So when we, when we look at the neck, we get most of our mobility through C1, C2, and then the head sitting on C1, uh, the atlas and the axis. If, if, the listen, if you're listening and you've been to a chiropractor or something like that, they've probably talked about that. Um, and, and you had mentioned you went to a Nuka chiropractor. Is that right? Yeah. yeah still seeing a Nuka chiropractor. Yeah. So Nuka chiropractic, um, is actually it's, it's hitting on the area that needs to be hit on. Um, but what's important to understand is, is kind of, uh, our, my philosophy behind it is different. So, um, I don't, I don't want to speak for them, but the, the Nuka chiropractors I know would say they're focusing more on alignment. And what I'm focusing on is more mobility. 
right? And that's just natural as a physical therapist. We want to get people moving in any setting you see a physical therapist movement is what we're trying to do. And so when it comes to the upper neck, we should have about 10 degrees of this nodding motion between the head and the first bone. And then the first bone and the second bone should do about half of our rotation. So every time you turn your head to the left or the right, half your movement should come from the first bone set resting on that second bone. And it's actually the, the second bone, we have what's called a dens. Um, it's called the, the axis. And so the atlas, which is shaped kind of like a donut, sits right on top of it. And the only, the, the only function really of that joint is to rotate. So every time you turn your head, half your movement comes from that joint. Now, with just about everyone I see that has headaches or migraines, they've lost this mobility. And what's surprising is that not only does it lead to pain, but like in your situation, you, you get dizzy, you get nauseous. Um, you can have visual disturbances. I've actually been able to reproduce those in the clinic. Many, many patients I have uh, seen and successfully treated um, came in with migraines with auras. Uh, and that is one of the hangups that I've had pushback from medical doctors is, well, how do you explain an aura? Um, and, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but uh, when we talk about migraines, there are these sort of weird symptoms that go along with it, like sensitivities and auras. And uh, the way I explain that is because what we experience is subjective, meaning our brain is just trying to interpret a signal. It's interpreting it incorrectly. So it's getting the area wrong and it can also get the actual symptom wrong. So it can confuse pain, excruciating pain from your neck uh, as such a strong signal that it kind of overlaps into other sensory inputs that we have. Uh, and so that's how I would explain like a visual disturbance or increased sensitivities to bright lights or, um, uh, or even like smells, things like that, is mm -hmm. that our brain is just kind of overloaded with this sensory input that we become hypersensitive to these other things. Um, and that's why it's kind of confusing and, and um, yeah, so the, there is an explanation for even the most, uh, the most challenging migraine patients. I mean, there's really not a patient with a, a type of migraine that I've ever gone like, wow, I've, I've never seen that. I, I don't know how this is going to um, necessarily respond. Like I've been surprised at the types of symptoms that go away that, in, that are just a neck problem and how the brain is interpreting that just seems so odd. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's nice. I've had lots of practitioners tell me, oh, that's a really weird symptom that you have. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Like that's, right. that's not comforting as right. a patient to say like, oh, weird. You get like, you know, pressure right in your nose. Like this is where it situates right there. And they're like, oh, that's really weird. We could bathe that in lidocaine. I'm like, mm. yeah. Yeah. So, so yours is more of a sinus pressure. Yeah. 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 And, and that, that again, um, patients will go to ENTs. They'll, uh, go down this. I've, I've even had patients that have sort of surgical procedures done uh, on their sinuses. Um, and, and it's really just a neck issue. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, when patients call us or, or, or interact with us and they, they want to know, like, do you, what would you do with sinus pressure, sinus pain? Um, it, it really comes back to if you have any sort of head or facial pain, any of these symptoms that we've talked about, um, there's a really good chance that your neck has not been evaluated as it should be. Um, and, and this approach, this evaluation of the neck, I mean, it takes two minutes in the clinic to, for me to, to basically say, yeah, there's a neck issue or there's not. Uh, and then from there, it's a very conservative process. Um, and, uh, I mean, we can transition into like what that looks like to get treated. Cause I think that, you know, people might be thinking, oh, this, you know, physical therapist, I just go for my knee replacement or I do a bunch of band exercises or, you know, they sent me on a bike for 10 minutes. Um, and it's very different than that. Um, and I like to kind of go through that process because, um, did, I mean, did you go see a physical therapist? Is that something that you, so what I did when I found out that it was, really coming from my neck. Cause my neck also hurts. Like I yeah. had, um, really bad occipital neuralgia, which I had like nerve blocks. I did facet joint injections. Um, so the source of pain is actually painful. It's just right. also referring and causing like vertigo and nausea and light sensitivity, sound sensitivity. Um, but I went to a physio and found out that like, I couldn't even do a chin tuck head lift right. for, for any amount of time. And he, 
he said, it's like your neck has been severed, like the muscles, like you can't even lift it. And it's really interesting because my neck was severed when I went through the barbed wire fence. So I had developed this kind of chronic position of being in defense, but like not moving. And then, um, I worked with him. He was the one that suggested the facet joint injections. Cause I couldn't do any of the exercises without flaring up. I did those. They did absolutely nothing. They were horrific. Um, and then when I, he, re- he referred me to a So I had x-rays done. I have no curvature in my neck at all. It's definitely like your classic military neck. Yeah. Um, so that is a big source of pain. And I had four degrees of rotation. Um, like my head was tilted to the side like this all the time. So it actually sits straight now. Um, but you know, like it, that it it's taken a really long time to figure all of this out and still, you know, am not symptom free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, so kind of as a, a standard, um, I, I try not to, you know, over promise, right. I, I want to uh, kind of under promise and over deliver with, with the people I see. Um, but I also want to instill confidence in people because the, the way people, you know, if, if they're listening to this podcast and they're thinking, you know, I, I have migraines, I've seen everyone, there's no way like this guy and what he's talking about could actually help me. Um, people, it's just natural that we look for things that sort of exclude us. So, well, he, this guy, you know, he can't help me. Um, I've, I've come to believe, and I just get more and more confident the more I do this, because we've, we've seen hundreds, if not, you know, over a thousand plus cases uh, of people that have debilitating headaches and migraines. And what I've come to understand is, is nearly every type of head or facial pain. So that, that means headache and migraine and whatever classification, um, you've been given or diagnosis you've been given. If we treat it early enough, um, can get that, that person to the point where they, uh, are not debilitated. And, and a lot of my patients are, you know, we, we shoot for 80, 90% improvement. Right. And the reason I can, I can be confident in saying that is one, because I've, I've seen the results in my clinic, but two, um, the, one of the problems is that we're not catching this soon enough. So you, you mentioned it just took forever to find this Mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's kind of intuitive. Like you, you have neck pain and -hmm. then it refers to your head. And so I, I have a, I mean, I post these videos on social media where I just say like, you know, your, your neck could be the source of pain. That's essentially all I'm saying. And and I mean, a couple of my videos have over a million views. I mean, it's just people all over like, oh my gosh, like my neck could actually be the problem. Like no one's ever said that. And I've actually been surprised because I, I, it's, it's such an easy sort of concept to understand. And, and to me, it's very intuitive. Um, and especially when you look at the anatomy, it makes sense as far as where the pain would refer. Um, but it's sort of, it boggles my mind that, um, we are not talking about this. And part of it is in medical school. So I went through the Mayo Clinic and I, I kind of, uh, we did cases with the, the fourth year medical students. And these, you know, at the Mayo Clinic, it's, um, it's I think it's the uh, toughest program to get into. Yeah, it's not the top ranked, but um, they, yeah, they say no to more people than any other program in the country, as far as I understand. Um, and so these are like the top med students. Um, and we went through just like basic shoulder, um, cases or low back cases. And, uh, we were in our second year of PT school and we were actually shocked at how little they understood of like the musculoskeletal system and how it functions and how that corresponds to pain. And so I, I think as our Western medicine model just sort of filters people through primary care and the neurology, and those are like kind of the two providers that are, that are, um, being offered up as care for migraine patients. Um, they're, they're just not trained to look at this. No. Um, and then my own profession, uh, I'll, I'll kind of call my own profession out because, um, our, the information's out there, what I'm doing is actually like, can be studied and other people have done this type of thing. Um, but because 
historically we've kind of taken a backseat to the medical doctor. Like there's sort of this barrier to a physical therapist stepping into this territory. Mm -hmm. And so the system is kind of keeping us from being confident enough to treat patients with migraines. Uh, and so most physical therapists are not necessarily going to be able to, uh, to do this type of thing. Um, and then chiropractors, I actually, I think I've done a very good job of sort of like raising their hand and seeing like, Hey, I can be helpful. Um, and despite all the pushback from Western medicine, like they've become commonplace, like a lot of patients are very, very comfortable and they love their chiropractor. And so mm -hmm. I think chiropractic has done a very good job of just being like, Hey, we're an alternative. And people are getting frustrated with that Western medicine model because there's this gap. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's why it takes so long, but if we can get to the source of the issue right away, meaning like in my career, if I can, if I can educate enough people on this so that, and train enough therapists on this so that within a month of them having migraines, they're finding someone like me. I mean, I'm almost convinced where th this could get so close to like not even being an issue. Um, which I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy, but that's kind of how passionate I am because the, yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I'm seeing in my clinic. Mm -hmm. You put out one video on TikTok. I follow you on TikTok as well. Yeah, and, awesome. um, and it was to see if the pain was coming from your Atlas joint and it was like a tucking your chin and then going to the side. And I think that's what it was, but I yeah. did this, you explained it. Um, I did it and I could hardly move and it was so painful. And that's when I went to my physio and I said, I've been listening to this guy, <laughs> you, Yeah. <laughs> I did this exercise. I think it's my Atlas joint. And he was like, it totally is. And this is not something I can really treat if it needs realignment. And that's when I went and saw Anuka. So it was really interesting. But I'd like to, I'd like for you to explain more about what someone can do when they figure out that their neck is the source of their pain. What if they don't have access to someone like you? Um, there's not like someone who specializes in it. What can they do to start to regain some of that mobility? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And that's, it's a problem that I'm, I will constantly be trying to solve because we have people from all over that reach out uh, mm -hmm. all over the country. We've, we've had people from all over the world find us because we, we offer kind of virtual services. Now, uh, let me just get a little bit into what I do so that people yeah. can un understand it because that's actually half the battle in this is understanding the problem, understanding what type of treatment you need so that you can be your own advocate. That might be one of the, the best tools that any of the listeners out there that have headaches or migraines might be one of the best tools you have is just saying, like going to your physical therapist or to your doctor or whoever it is you're seeing and saying, Hey, I'm listening to this guy. He says, it's my neck. Can we pursue the neck? Um, and, and just have that conversation. Okay. Mm -hmm. That'll get you closer right now. What I do, I, and again, um, it, it's, I wish that when patients contact me from Texas and New York and California and Nebraska, that I could just look up a physical therapist in their area and say, go see this person. Now, there's been a few times where uh, I've, I go on their website and it looks like they should have the training and the ability to do this type of work. And I've, I've been a little bit disappointed because the patient will reach back out to me. This actually just happened recently where I had a mom contact me because her daughter has been having daily headaches. I found a physical therapist in her area um, and he helped. He helped quite a bit. So let's say 40, 50% of her symptoms were reduced and, and that's huge. And so that's kind of what I would put as like a standard for people, um, is finding someone that can at least address, uh, some of the things that are triggering your symptoms. Um, but it was limited. And so she actually came out to see me in Colorado and, uh, it was, it was just like right away, I was able to, to find these certain things. And, and, and I do think if, if I can get people to see a provider 
that, that can do what I do, they should not settle for like a 50% relief, you know, that we should be looking for 80, 90%. So, but anyway, understanding what I do, I am a manual therapist. So I work with my hands. A lot of physical therapy is focused on exercise and uh, exercise is good. It's not a bad thing. But um, when it comes to understanding headaches and migraines, the, the body compensates and the way we get it to stop compensating is by unlocking these two joints in the neck that I talked about. And the only way to do that, or the most effective way I should say, is by having someone use uh, hands-on techniques to restore mobility. Now, Nuka Chiropractic uh, does this in a sense because they are adjusting the atlas uh, and they're looking kind of at the angle of atlas and trying to get it aligned. So Nuka Chiropractic can be helpful. Um, ideally, what I would have people look for is a physical therapist that's trained in manual therapy. So oftentimes they'll be like certified in manual therapy. Uh, and that, so if you listen to my podcast, I talk a lot about C1 and C2 and rotation and nodding through the head and the first bone. So if you can find a physical therapist that says, yes, I can do that. I can work on those things. That's what you're looking for. So I would say best case scenario, you understand the problem, you understand what needs to be done, and you find a physical therapist in your area that can do that. Um, now, things at home. So there's a few principles to live by. Uh, one is movement. So the next posture is the best posture, right? So we all have uh, sort of things that cause us to sit throughout the day, whether we work at home or at an office. Uh, and, and so most people are going to find themselves sitting. Now you can sit with the best, uh, desk setup, the best, um, chair, you know, you, you can have the ergonomic, um, gold standard setup, but that necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that your body's going to be happy with you if you're sitting for a prolonged period. So just the, the goal is to move, like go on a walk now, yeah. a lot of, and maybe this is your situation, but a lot of, a lot of people with headaches and migraines find it difficult to exercise. And you had mentioned that, correct? Yeah. Actually walking is one of the things that makes it feel better. But I mean, you know, I worked out so intensely for so long, um, that to not even be able to like do a plank is, you know, been kind of soul destroying, but I have found, you know, things like yoga, they make it worse. It makes it way worse. Um, mm -hmm going for a walk or even like a run, uh, makes it so much better. Yeah. So a little insight into that, uh, because planks, potentially yoga, uh, sit-ups, yeah. um, th th these types of things have your head in a dependent position, meaning like it's hanging out, um, where your neck has to support it. Mm -hmm. And if your neck is super weak it, and kind of what that physical therapist was finding was, uh, weakness through what are called the deep neck flexors, which are yeah. postural muscles, which are supposed to support our neck, hold our head up throughout the day. Now, if those aren't doing their job, those, those types of movements or sort of static postures will be really tough on your neck. And that might result in increased pain. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason um, walking uh, can be therapeutic, and, and that's what I suggest to most patients, even if they're, they say exercise is a trigger um, because walking does get some movement through our shoulders, through our spine, um, and it'll be sort of therapeutic for the neck. Okay. But it, it won't be intense enough where we're getting into this, uh, potential for increased like tension or stress placed through the neck. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if, if walking is something that, that you tolerate, then, then do that and find, find a way to do that frequently, you know, 15 minutes, every hour, couple hours, something like that. Um, and then things to avoid would be, you know, poor postures. Oftentimes, uh, we are not aware of the, of the postures that we're in throughout the day. So uh, a couple of things are like when you sit in a chair, usually we like to cross one leg over the other and we'll be kind of shifting. Okay. So that shift, you had mentioned your head will uh, initially would kind of rest to one side mm -hmm. and that's very common. And what's happening is the Atlas uh, is involved in that side bending motion and it'll be kind of stuck one way or the other. And so your head will naturally want to rest to one side. Um, now that can be a result of like you biasing sort of a side shift position. Um, or even when you're driving, like a lot, oftentimes we like to put one arm on the wheel and we're kind of shifted. Right. So those things, um, will over a you know, longer period of time result in our neck, not being as happy. And then 
it's kind of the evening activities. So if we, if you find yourself watching TV, looking at an iPad, even reading a book, um, pay attention to what position you're in. So if you're kind of reclining or resting on the armrest, uh, your head, we, we don't want it to be like rotated or shifted one way, like try to, try to, try to rest with whatever you're looking at, at eye level and in front of you. And again, get up and move, right? Like, like move whenever you think about it, whenever you can. Uh, and then kind of the, the, another big thing is sleeping position. So I've, I've had patients see a reduction in their migraines by like 50% just because they were stomach sleepers. Mm-hmm. And then I say, you know, stop sleeping on your stomach, try to sleep on your side. Uh, and not like a pseudo side sleeping when they're, they're halfway rolled under their stomach, like <laughs> actually side sleeping, uh, or on your back. Um, and, and if we can nail in like a good sleeping position that can really uh, dramatically improve some of the symptoms without them ever needing to see a provider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My original chiropractor who I absolutely loved, he was also trained as a physical therapist first and foremost. So he did a lot more hands-on manual therapy. And he always said like, yeah, your neck is just awful, <laughs> awful. Yeah. but it was like, there wasn't a lot of, okay, well, what do I do about it? And I think a lot of people are at that spot, like, okay, what do I do about it then? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if you have a means to, <clears throat> like, if you're in Colorado, I, you know, come see me. Um, and it, we, we, you have that virtual option, which a lot of that is educating people on specific things, right? So kind of an exercise program or, or a home program on do these, you know, five, six things at home, mm-hmm. uh, and then setting them up with, you know, the best chances of finding someone in their area. But yeah, it, the ideal scenario is we get hands-on treatment and it usually takes about six weeks or so, <coughs> six weeks or so to restore mobility to the upper part of the neck. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from there, it's just maintaining it. So for the most part, and this is a question I get a lot, you know, do, do people have relief and then it's sustainable? And and for the most part, yes. So you always have to consider your neck because if you're someone that has headaches or migraines, uh, your neck is likely going to be more susceptible to sort of falling back into that pattern. So the dentist gets people to brush their teeth and floss every day. Uh, I say as a physical therapist, I get two things as well. So I, you know, I educate people. It can be just walking for 15 minutes uh, and doing a few basic stretches for like posture and that type of thing. Um, so doing just a couple of things, spending five minutes in the evening to cater to your neck uh, and the deep neck flexor exercise, which I, I have on my TikTok page or on our social media. If you follow us, I talk a little bit about that. That can be a helpful one as well. Um, and now it, my guess is there was maybe too much that you were doing that, that caused it to flare up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because that can be one that places a lot of stress through the neck, but yeah, there are, there are very basic things at home that you don't even ever need to see someone that can cause uh, a reduction in, in your symptoms. And my big thing is getting people off of medication or at least reducing their, their reliance on medication. And so, uh, yeah, if we can get people walking and doing basic like postural exercises, uh, understanding that their neck is the issue. So they're, they're changing their position throughout the day and they're recognizing when their neck has increased stress, that type of stuff can go a long ways. Yep. It's really interesting because before I saw, uh, Nuka, one way was I could mitigate some of the facial pain by changing my posture and really engaging through my thoracic spine and working on thoracic extension. And it was kind of the first time where I could like have a flare up, but minimize it. And it was all down to posture. And I think, you know, people who are doing a lot of sitting and like you said, with COVID, I mean, COVID has been disastrous on so many fronts, but particularly for our postures, because we're just sat down so much that a lot of these things can be mitigated through movement. And that's usually what people are the most afraid of, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And 
the, yeah, it's common where it, and this is true for like back pain and, and hip pain, but kind of the old school model is if you have an injury or if you have pain, uh, in these areas, then you either like brace it or you don't move, uh, or you keep yourself from doing the things that, that hurt. Um, and what we found is, is the body likes to move. And a lot of these problems come because we're come about because we're not moving. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you're someone that whether you've had a traumatic whiplash injury, like in your case, or even if you can't remember something like that, and these just sort of popped up over time, I would encourage you to consider your posture because even with a traumatic, traumatic injury, uh, your, that tension level. So we talk about threshold and then the the level of pain. Uh, we want to reduce that level of pain or that level of tension. And they're, they're, yeah, basic things that you can do throughout the day. Um, and the, the problem is it's, I mean, this is just not being talked about. And and so if we just talk about it, I think, uh, like in your situation, and I, and I love that you said this, where you just watch a TikTok video, you do a simple test you're like, wow, okay, this seems like my problem. I need to start advocating for myself and ask these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I one of the things I want to work towards is maybe uh, having an influence on that physical therapist so he doesn't send you off, but has the confidence to say, yeah, I know how to treat this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, if it's one thing that I've learned through this whole thing is you really have to be your own health advocate because what most what, what the allopathic system will give you is Botox medication injections of some kind of sort and send you on your way. Um, you know, for me personally, I knew that it was never migraines. Like when they just diagnosed with migraines, I just knew I'm very intuitive. Um, I knew that it wasn't just migraines and that, you know, there was just too many, things that kind of happened at the same time and having accidents and having neck pain. And, you know, like you said, it's kind of intuitive. You have neck pain. It refers to your head, but a lot of people they're like, no, I just suffer from migraines. I need this medication, which is outrageously expensive. Right. Um, yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. So, so when you say that I knew it wasn't migraines, I, I think what I'm hearing is I knew that medication wasn't my solution. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And, and that's what I hear a lot. And again, one of our barriers is when people get that classification of migraine, what they're being taught is that medication is the only solution. Um, and so when patients come to see me, classification of migraine or not, um, like I said, any head or facial pain, I just assume it's a neck problem mm-hmm. until proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, if, if we're looking at, so back when we talked about like initially how they're classified, we talked about primary headaches and migraines falls under that category. Well, secondary headaches, um, just for people that are like, wow, you know, this guy thinks he can treat every sort of head, um, head pain. Um, there, there are secondary headaches, which are the, the like tumors, um, the actual vascular problems, you know, brain bleeds, things like that. Um, and, the, the reason I can be so confident that you at home, who's been suffering with headaches or migraines for so long, uh, is likely going to benefit from something I do is because our Western, our allopathic model, Western medicine model is very good at treating those things. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we catch the tumors, we catch the brain bleeds. Um, you know, our emergency room is good at keeping people alive in those things that are, uh, that the MRI does find something objective, but the majority of people, you know, most everyone that's continuing to suffer with these head or facial symptoms, um, has a neck problem that's overlooked. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so anyone who's out there listening to this and has not found an answer, um, consider your neck, consider your neck, the problem. And just because no one's told you that it's neck problem, uh, means you're in good company because that's just about everyone else. Uh, and so, yeah, be an advocate for yourself, uh, because you're, you're going to be your, uh, yeah, your best sort of healthcare provider and figuring this out. Mm. Yeah. I always like to say, you know, doctors and neurologists are good at saving your life, but they're not good at giving you quality of life. Mm. 
And that's where people like yourself come in and the chiropractors and dietitians and personal trainers and psychologists, right? Like these are the people that give you quality of life. Um, so everyone has their place, but unfortunately, you know, like physical therapists, they're not, they're not encouraged from the healthcare system because (laughs) what you give is long-term treatment, right? Like it's, you, you heal someone so they can help to heal themselves or you give them tools so they can help to heal themselves. So they don't have to go back for medication every month. Right. Right. Yeah. My, um, I tell people I sell crock pots, not microwaves. Right. Um, and so our, our healthcare system and, and kind of our culture in general is set up to, to want the quick fix. Um, and my, my process, um, it, it takes work, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's worth it. I mean, I've, if you look at our, our reviews, I mean, people are sharing their stories as if like, um, th- this was almost miraculous. Now I, um, I'm thrilled and it's very rewarding for me to be able to help someone through this process. Um, but I'm really just excited for them to share their, their, their stories so that other people can kind of be encouraged by this. Um, and it, it's almost discouraging in a sense that these people have gone decades and lost so many days and, and so many moments with like family or at work and uh, quality of life uh, ha- has, has been, yeah, just kind of stripped away from them and all over something that, I mean, sh- should be relatively easy to diagnose and treat. Yeah. Um, now that the process, the techniques, the, the actual hands-on approach that I take is not necessarily an easy thing to learn. Um, but the concepts behind it are kind of simple to understand. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And so, uh, it is a little bit discouraging to me that, that this isn't more prevalent. And I feel like I'm kind of pioneering this new thought process, uh, which is a little bit odd to me, but I'm happy to do it. And oftentimes this information was there for a lot of other people, but uh, for whatever reason, um, they didn't feel like they were the ones to, to take it across kind of the finish line or whatever they felt like they could accomplish in their career. So, yeah, I, I mean, being a guest on your podcast is an honor. You know, it gives me an opportunity to reach more people. And really the goal is, you know, I want them, I want them to feel like the champion of their own health, that they mm-hmm. figured that out. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, that's freeing just to understand that someone out there can validate um, what they've been thinking this whole time. And so I hope, I hope that's a takeaway from this conversation. Yeah. I'm hundred percent. Your content is so good. It's so helpful. I mean, it, it, it would, it helped me, like I said, solidify, no, this is coming from my neck. This is what I need to do. These are the practitioners I need to find. I mean, I could talk to you for hours and hours on here, but we're, we're almost up for time. I like to end each podcast with some fun questions. Yeah. So now you're the recipient of these fun questions. Great. Okay. If you were stranded on a desert Island and could only choose one food to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, right now in my life, I, I really like pad thai. Um, yeah. So I, I'd probably say pad thai and then after a week I'd get sick of it, but we'll go with that. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Pad thai is delicious. What is the best meal you've ever eaten? Mm. Yeah, I, um, so partially because the buildup to it, I had never been introduced to like a, a steakhouse. And then I, I had a buddy in California who like, I mean, once or twice a year, it was like this big event. We'd go to a steakhouse. And so, um, yeah, I, I remember we went to Roost Chris and, uh, it was like, I've never had, uh, like broccoli that tasted so good and like the mashed potatoes and, and then the steak. I mean, it was just, um, yeah, it kind of blew my mind how, how good just these sort of basic things could taste. So yeah, I, I would say a meal at Roost Chris. Nice. Yeah. We yeah. have one here in Calgary as well. Yeah. What is your least favorite food? Ooh, um, least favorite food. Yeah, that's tough. I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm super picky. Um, gosh, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I'm thinking there's, (laughs) so things that are really 
chewy. Um, so this is, this is probably more information than you want, but as a kid, I would always like kind of, I have a, a bad, like gag reflex. And so if I can't like chew it and swallow it in a reasonable amount of time, then I have to like <clears throat> spit it out. So that that's, that's probably not what you're looking for, but like, <laughs> no, I like that. any, any category of food that like I have to chew for a long period of time is almost not worth eating for me. So um, maybe that's why Roos Chris was so exciting. Cause I didn't necessarily love steak before then. Yeah. So there you go. There's insight into me. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Favorite restaurant. Is this Ruth Chris then? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I'm trying to think, I think we may have one in Denver. Um, we've got a couple of steakhouses here in Colorado Springs. Uh, but yeah, I would say, yeah, a nice steakhouse. Ruth Chris is, is, uh, is one that uh, is definitely up there. Wonderful. What is your favorite travel destination that you've been to? Who that I've been to. So in, in high school, I got the chance to travel to Hawaii kind of for a soccer tournament, but that was probably my, my most memorable uh, vacation. Um, I like the beach. I've also been to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. And so that as a cultural experience would, was kind of up there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy the beach. So I would say as far as the beach goes, probably Hawaii. Nice. Nice. What are some of your favorite books? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I read a lot of books on like, uh, kind of business and entrepreneurship. I really like an author by the name of Seth Godin. Okay. And, uh, he wrote a book called the purple cow. And I feel like it, it resonated with me because it's this idea of, you know, you're, you're taking a road trip and the first cow you see is kind of noteworthy. Uh, and then you see hundreds of cows, you know, driving through Nebraska, like I do, uh, to get to go see family in Michigan or whatever. And, and so you just kind of tune them out until maybe you see a cow with purple spots. Now that's obviously not a real thing. But if there were was a cow with purple spots, it would be remarkable enough. And um, so it, it's a book on marketing, and it's it's something that I try to embrace in my practice as far as you know being different enough or remarkable enough where people want to talk about you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and then I'm I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan, um, and I've subscribed to his podcast and. Uh, his entree leadership book is one that I, that was fairly pivotal, uh, in my life. If you're familiar with Dave Ramsey at all. Um, but he's, he's one, yeah, the entree leadership book for anyone who, I mean, such as yourself, who like has an idea, wants to take it to market and be successful with that. I feel like it's a, it's a good read. Oh, I'll definitely have to look that one up. Yeah, for sure. What is the happiest moment of your life? Oh man. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of happy moments. I would say like my wedding day. Um, I've got a daughter that's, uh, coming up on two years old and I feel like every day I get to hang out with her is, is, you know, pretty magical. Um, but yeah, my wedding day, I, I mean, my wife and I have been married for seven years and, um, that, that day, and it's just special. You get, everyone that, you know, everyone that loves you is, is there. Right. Um, and then it's, it's kind of the, the day for her. And so, um, she's never been happier. It, it was just, yeah, it was a magical day. Oh, I love that. All yeah. the wives are like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Thanks. And what advice would you like to leave our listeners with in regard to their health? Regard to their health. Yeah. I would say, um, yeah. Movement is medicine and, um, it, it's, uh, it, yeah. Walk, move, um, and, and do whatever form of exercise your body can tolerate and uh, build up that tolerance, allow your body, um, to your joints and your muscles and your tendons and your ligaments, allow them to move through their full range of motion and, uh, and experience what they were intended for. Uh, and so as a physical therapist, that's what I study. That's what I help people with. Uh, is moving. And um, so what you can do at home is, is move as, as much as you can. Uh, and so that can be as basic as going on a walk um, to being involved with, with someone like yourself. That's a, 
a personal trainer and can take him through a specific program. Mm-hmm. Love that. Where can people find you? Yeah. So I kind of have two identities. So my podcast, uh, and my TikTok. um, I go by the headache doctor. So the headache doctor podcast, and then, um, my clinic is called Novera headache center. So Novera is a word I made up. It sounds for new era. So I want a new area era of healthcare and what that means for people with headaches and migraines. Um, so we're in Colorado Springs, but NoveraHeadacheCenter.com is my website. Um, and that's also on Instagram. Uh, we're at Novera Headache Center. Um, Facebook isn't, I mean, we've got like a group on Facebook, but it's not, uh, we, we do post on there, but it's mainly Instagram and TikTok. My TikTok's kind of exploded and my Instagram is growing as well. So yeah, your yeah, TikTok how, has exploded, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. And like I said, it's just, um, I guess I'm saying things that people can connect with, um, which is encouraging and, and I hope it continues to grow. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Um, you've helped me immensely already. And, and I just know that our listeners, they're going to find some kind of negative truth out of this episode. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm humbled that, that you ask. It's, it's a great opportunity. So I appreciate you having me on. Wonderful. All right. Well, you take care. Yeah. You as well. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Stay tuned for future episodes and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Always remember, you are powerful over your health.